Well, if you're listening to this uh, online, uh, then please do, before we go any further, pause to turn to the book of Numbers and read chapter 32 in its entirety. That will set the context for where we're going in this week two of our studies in the book of Joshua, thinking about how we can get from here to there. And as long as I've got a sat-nav, I'm okay in getting from here to there. Unless, of course, the sat-nav sends you the wrong way when you get to nearby uh, the end bit, which happened to me only yesterday. Uh, I was involved in, as I I do some respite uh, foster care uh, on occasions, and yesterday was one of those those times. And it was way out in the sticks uh, picking up uh, a young person. What I wasn't aware of was that the postcode is the postcode for the entire parish. So there I was, looking all all over the place until uh, uh, eventually managed to find my way from where I was to the there. Of course, it would have been okay if there was a signal. I thought, I'll just phone up. <laughs> Not a signal at all. But there we go. That's another story. So if you've got a Bible now and you want to turn with me to the book of Joshua, this is what we're going to be thinking about. The book of Joshua itself is like a story within uh, a story, really. And their narratives in Joshua serve as instructions. They serve as warnings. They also serve in a large degree uh, to be encouragements for ourselves as the church today the israelites god's people experienced the grace of god accepted the responsibilities of being the people of god and they faced the challenge of daily obedience in fulfilling the word of god some uh, writers and commentators uh, commentators have actually uh, kind of like connected the book of joshua uh, with uh, it maybe being like uh, in the new testament the equivalent being the book of Ephesians as its counterpart. Uh, the church has experienced the grace of God and is depicted in the New Testament as the new Israel. We read in 1 Peter chapter 2, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvellous light. From Uh, here to uh, there but both at the beginning at the end of the book of Joshua we have uh, the sense at the beginning of God saying well this is what I promised and I'm about to fulfill my promise and then by the end of the book the Lord looking back reminding his people I told you that that was going to be the case I promised you and you now have received what I promised we're thinking as we came around at the Lord's table over communion, about that covenant uh, meal. And covenant speaks of promise. Being reminded of God fulfilling his promises is a huge encouragement to us, isn't it? If God has spoken something into your own life uh, a long time ago, it's also a, a, a huge encouragement for ourselves as a church. Uh, Gloria mentioned that we're just about to celebrate with plenty of food. We hope uh, next week being in this building there or thereabouts a year, give or take uh, a few days. And it is right that we pause and take stock and do indeed celebrate. God's people throughout the centuries have done that, haven't they? As they've remembered and looked back to what God has indeed done. As we think about that as a church, it's good for us to look back and know that it was God that kind of released us from that building that we were in, in Ackland Road. It, was, it wasn't fit for purpose for years. 
And we knew it was right to uproot. It was difficult for many people to, to feel that sense of leaving a place where maybe there have been significant spiritual moments there. But we don't live by Christian feelings, do we? We live in what's called the Christian faith, not the Christian feelings. It's good to know that it was God who led us out from that place just down the road. It was good that we were able to uh, recognise and remember and celebrate together. That it was God who then spoke to us very clearly about moving to Poundbury. That certainly wasn't what was on the cards. It certainly wasn't what we were looking for. It certainly wasn't, I think it's true to say, what the church had wanted at all in the years prior to that. But then over a very speedy month or two, God spoke. And I haven't got an hour to explain that journey. If you want to know more and you're unaware of that journey, uh, do um, uh, uh, ask me um, afterwards or at another time. But God spoke. We had this opportunity, an invitation to be amongst a people where there was at the time and still is no other Christian church here. What an opportunity to be in a building that's two and a half times the size of where we were. And it's a wonderful building, isn't it? It's right that we celebrate. Could we have afforded this? No, we couldn't at all. But we're in it. We're in it. Somehow, God has done something. And we say, to God be the glory. Now we're here. And we're thinking about what next? What is it that we're here to do now we are here? Uh, Bruce has mentioned something in terms of rekindling interest for something for men. Fantastic. You may well have other ideas. Different people have different ideas all the time. It's about us discerning for this season God, God ideas from just good ideas. We need in churches ideas people. As long as the ideas people are okay with 19 out of their 20 suggestions on a weekly basis being told maybe not quite yet or may well be not the right time. Wipe that smirk off your face, Bruce. <laughs> He's an ideas person. We need to discern what it is that God is calling us to do and to be. So what then was that reading from Numbers 32 uh, all about? As I encourage people after that reading this morning to turn to a neighbour and say, well, what was all that about? And uh, that was uh, caused a great hilarity this morning. We mustn't forget the past. I've just touched on little bits of the past. And the reading from Numbers 32 was very important because of what Joshua picked up about what God had said in the past. And for promises that had been made both by God but also by the people at the time. And it was important to not let go of that. And it's right whenever maybe we get doubts or we get uh, frustrations about being here, new building, primary, whatever it may well be, to go back to remember that actually we are here for no other reason other than it was God who led us as his people out and here. And provided us for this building. When God's people way back were coming in uh, from the east. Actually let's just pause for a moment in terms of these. Because there was a whole host of different tribes that were uh, mentioned. Uh, and long words. I want to think about those uh, those tribes. I said this morning that I would do that. Who was who and uh, what uh, brought us to where we are. And uh, uh, different things like, uh, uh, like that. 
God started with the nation of Israel, uh, the nation of Israel with Abraham back in Genesis 13. We read, now lift up your eyes, Abraham, and look from the place where you are. For all the land which you see, I will give it to you and to your descendants forever. That's a starting point. Abraham has a son whose name is Isaac. Isaac had two sons, uh, but the one who continues the line of Israel is Jacob. Jacob has 12 sons by four different women. We're not going to go there this evening. Two of them wives, two of them concubines. He then comes away with 12 sons. The descendants of those sons become what was known as the 12 tribes of, of Israel. After hundreds of years, those then are the 12 tribes who were in Egypt being oppressed. They then come out, but they still have got their tribal identity uh, being traceable as one of those 12 sons. There is, however, a little bit of difficulty uh, with the maths if you go back. There's a little problem because one of those sons was Joseph. Well, we don't see him listed amongst the 12 tribes. Why is that? Again, answers on a postcard, please. However, Joseph had two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. We mentioned Manasseh, didn't we, in the reading? My Bible refers to the tribe of, of Manasseh. Does that mean that the half-tribe of Manasseh, is it called the, the half-tribe of Manasseh because Manasseh was one of the two sons of Joseph, so he's kind of one removed, making him a half-tribe? Yes. Furthermore, half the half-tribe stays east of the Jordan in what is today the country of Jordan. The other half then goes west. Only half of Manasseh stays east. The other half goes west. So it's both a half tribe geographically and also half a tribe uh, genealogically, genealogically as well. That's the background for kind of what was going on where we've got these two and a half tribes saying, well, OK, we know there's this promised land over there, but we kind of like the look of it here uh, where we're at. We like it here. And we've just uh, whipped these people, so we'd quite like to stay here. Thank you very much. This country looks good. It's going to meet our needs. So why don't we just stay here and the other half of Manasseh and the rest of the tribes, where you guys can go ahead to that land that God has promised you. You can read about that again if you go through Numbers 32 afresh or in Deuteronomy chapter 7. Moses reflects as any uh, good leader ought to and says, "Okay, but you're not going to just stay here and let us do all the fighting. That wouldn't be fair because we've already fought with you. We help you whip those two kings. If you're going to stay and living here, firstly, you need to get to help ourselves get to the other side of the Jordan. Then you can actually come back and be secured in this land that you're coveting for yourselves. We help you. Now you help us. That's the background way back from what Moses said. It doesn't really matter how many years uh, ago, but there was one little verse where there was little Joshua, young Joshua then, who was earwigging way back for what Moses said. This is what's going to occur. This is what God has said, and this is the agreement we've made with these two and a half tribes. And then as we looked last week at Joshua chapter 1, there were verses that we didn't look at from verses 12 to 16 and I'm going to read you that now because Joshua remembered what had happened years ago they're just about to be crossing the Jordan to go to that land that God had called them into and he's thinking hang on a minute hang on a minute there was something that was said way back I'm going to get my diary out get my file of facts out or whatever look it up on me on my laptop I don't think he would have had a laptop but and what did he then say I'm going to read this out uh, in maybe a different uh, version from your own Bible, just again, different version than we have this morning. This is called the God's Word translation. 
Next, Joshua said to the tribes of Reuben and Gad and half of the tribe of Manasseh, Remember what the Lord's servant Moses commanded you. Moses said, The Lord your God will give you this land a place to rest. Your wives, children, and livestock may stay in the land that Moses gave you east of the Jordan River. However, all your best soldiers must march in battle formation ahead of your relatives. You must help your relatives take possession of the land the Lord your God is going to give them. Then they will have a place to rest like you do. After that, you may then go back and take possession of the land east of the Jordan River, which the Lord's servant gave you. So there was, uh, last week we were looking at what God was saying to his people, as in the whole whole lot of them. It would have been very easy for the two and a half tribes to think, we're not going to do it. We got our land, thank you very much, we're off. No. Remember what God has said. That's important. Chapter 1 of Joshua, verse 3. That word remember is really key. Remember, he says, those two and a half tribes, what Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you as by way of a command of God. We need to remember what God said to us in the past. We need to remember the reason why we have moved here. And many of you who've been with us over the years have probably got completely fed up with me saying this. But I'm going to say it again because we need to be reminded of what we already know, don't we? We do. And if you need a biblical example of that, the Lord Jesus himself saw fit to break bread and to take hold of the cup and said, do this in remembrance of me until he comes again. That's why we're to do it. If we didn't, we'd forget. Pure and simple. What a wise reminder that we've got decreed. Here we're having to remember as a church what God said to us way back. It's lovely to be in a building where you go and use the loo and there's hot water. Oh, it's great for someone who is less abled to actually use the facilities and to be able to get around and even go in what we call a platform lift upstairs. There is a shower facility We're not hustling and bustling and there's no uh, room for people to pray afterwards in a morning service because everybody else is in the cafe area. Let's just relax for the next 30 years. That wasn't why God has called us here. We are here to try to engage with and connect with the people who don't yet know Jesus as Lord. We've got a long way to go. We've kind of let the dust settle and it's been great to have new folk connecting in and other groups coming in. But by and large, most of the people that come to that which we call church, we do that on a Saturday morning, Sunday morning, Sunday evening, are church people. So we've not really fulfilled the primary reason for why God has called us here. And I recognise that as pastor and that pains me and I feel bad about that because that's part of the reason why God's called us here. Five and a half thousand people there's going to be in this area. No Christian church. Apart from here. And there's that sense of God saying, I feel to me, well if you don't do it, who will? I put you here. And alongside that there is of course that sense of our being the gospel. 
to seek to share something of his love unconditionally with this community and beyond. Joshua specified exactly what needed to be done, including that difficult aspect of leaving their family behind. And I know yesterday, if you have a chat with Bruce, what they were talking about in Cafe Church, they got really into this about what was that like for the wives and the kids? It was six or seven years that they were left on their own without the men who were there to farm the land. They'd gone to war. Oh, sacrifice. Being willing to hang on in there because of what God had said. There's a challenge there, isn't there? They didn't just fall lazily into the promised land uh, at all. We see that they knew what it meant to obey God's word. They knew what it meant to be the people of God. And they stuck in to do that which needed to be done. And I rattled off a whole host of opportunities this morning. That we as the people of God can seek to embrace and be involved with. We are a participator church, not church, not a spectator church. One of the things I forgot to say though this morning, which is probably important, it is very important, is I do recognise there is a season that maybe for someone and some individuals we are not able, because of health or what we're going through with life being tough, to be an active service in some a degree or another but that's rare for the 98 percent every member of this church there is a place for us to be actively involved in something and we rattled off a whole host of things some of those are in the welcome sheet if you're wanting to be a part of this church and think great what can i do give me seven days and there'll be an answer that you'll be able to be involved in something actually give me seven minutes that would be okay i could think of something a few things right now very easy but Okay, so last week we looked at the fact that now that we've arrived, uh, and this in one sense I guess is our promised land equivalent, isn't it? As a people uh, of God, where God has led us. But now we're here, what is it that we're discerning from God that he's wanting us to do? So, we mustn't forget the past. That's important in terms of this mandate that we've received. And of course, every church has received that same mandate in a broader sphere of, you will be my witnesses. But for us, this particular platoon that we call Dorchester Community Church, our remit is how are you going to do that in Pangbury? We've got no competition from any other church have we at all? So we haven't got to worry about tiptoeing around and upsetting anybody else. There's a few uh, humanists and atheists that we may well upset and uh, uh, we've done that uh, this week yet again. Uh, but there we go. Uh, th- those kind of things happen. The gospel is going to be offensive, isn't it? Especially to those who don't even believe that there is any God at all. Pray for us with wisdom in that regard. Shall I say this? Yeah, I can say this. because this, this, I, I don't want you to attach this to what I've just said. But pray for a meeting I've got this Wednesday uh, with three councillors, local councillors, and wanting to talk with us about what are you doing by way of outreach. We want to reach out. Not sure what you mean by that, but is there way, are there ways that we can partner with you? Now, I don't know what an agenda is behind that, but I'd appreciate your prayers uh, for that. This Wednesday, 10 o'clock, okay? Great, let's move on. We must hold on to God's word. We looked at that a little bit last week uh, because uh, Joshua was um, 
Uh, we, we read in Joshua chapter uh, 1, uh, he was told, be careful to obey the law my, my servant Moses gave you, says the Lord. Don't turn uh, to it from the, to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Don't let the book of the Lord depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day uh, and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. And then you will be uh, prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you we must hold on to god's word not going to unpack similar verses but when we think about what matters most when jesus was asked that he said love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind that's the first and greatest commandment the second is this that you ought to love your neighbor as yourself that's important that we hold on to that what are we to do alongside that two peter in chapter one 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 12, we read, So, Peter says, and he's talking uh, to believers here, I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth that you now have. We need to, need to be reminded, don't we, very often, of that which we already know, because we forget or we become complacent, or sometimes we need a... Mm, one of those kind of somewhere don't we and I've done that visually so that's not going to come out in a crude way uh, on uh, tape as people are listening to this uh, online you'll have to use your imagination uh, there good leaders remind their people as to what it is that we are about whoever is preaching God's word here will preach from this book we mustn't leave this book at all we want to be reminded time and time again of what it is that we are about. There are five words that sum up kind of like pillars of our faith, if you like, that you can see emblazoned in the uh, cafe area just above uh, the servery, which are uh, um, sort of uh, unchanging reminders of that fivefold areas that we're meant to be about here, serving and belonging and sharing and growing and worshipping. Phew, I've remembered all five. And every now and then, usually once a year, I use slightly different words so people don't switch off, but we have a series, a, a teaching series on those five things. And I can remember the start of this year. Somebody said, we're not going to go through those five things again at the start of a year. I'm going to not come for five weeks. Yeah, we probably are going to do it. I deliberately didn't do it at the start of the year, so watch this space. Because we need to be reminded of the truths that we're about. One church leader of a very, very big church says, I teach my church what we are about every 36 days. Because we need to be reminded of what we're about in terms of purpose. Now, whether he's right or not, don't know. But there's something that's led that leader of 35 years plus to have actually come to that as a conclusion. We need to never forget our purpose. We must honour that commitment that we've made. You don't need me to rattle off the sense of uh, watering down, of commitment that there is in our society today. It used to be that if we made a promise, we stuck by it, didn't we? It used to be that if you were invited to a party and it had RSVP, you didn't need to speak French to know that that meant, would you please reply, respond, they say, play. there you go, bit of French word there, uh, without the French, French uh, accent, I could do that later if you want. Uh, we, we used to reply to those RSVP invitations. People don't bother now. They may well send a text, they may well not. We've had different occasions for that, and I'm sure you have as well. Where there's something that's issued out, do people get back? 
We have two members meetings a year. Every church member receives a letter and we say on it, if you're unable to come for childcare reasons, we will seek to find or fund childminders for you so you can come. These are one of only two um, opportunities for members of the church to come together. If you can't come for any other reason, could you please let us know and let one of the deacons, them or otherwise, please let us know. If you're a member of the church and you've had the minutes of the last meeting, you'll see at the top it says, those people that were there, present, number of apologies, and then other. You'll be staggered and shocked, or probably feel pretty disappointed, at the high percentage that don't bother. If anybody ought to follow through with a commitment, it ought to be ourselves as believers, did it not? We've seen and celebrated the ultimate commitment that the Lord Jesus Christ gave for ourselves. And of course, as we seek to become his followers, as we sung, O Jesus, I have promised to serve thee to the end. That's a big thing to say and to state. It's a lot easier to sing than it is to follow through, isn't it? I wonder, as a part of the church here, what lies behind our own commitment to remember speaking to uh, um, uh, a youth leader from another uh, church a couple of weeks back, actually. And they were talking about the, the turnover of volunteers with, with youth work. You get a bigger turnover there. And I kind of get that from a background in youth work myself. Uh, a bigger turnover in that area than anything else. Ah, but he said, because I was oh, I really feel for you in that. That must be really hard. Ah, but he said, I got Freddie. What do you mean, you got Freddie? I thought he meant Freddie Mercury. I thought, well, he's long gone. He said, oh, I got Freddie. Freddie's 82. Every week. Been doing this for 25 years. I thought, well, is Freddie there in his sort of uh, ripped jeans and his crew cut and his uh, piercing? No. But Freddie's there committed. He probably finds it not that easy to engage with all the techie stuff and everything else. But Freddie is there. Why? He's got a heart to serve he's got a heart for young people and i don't want to embarrass you dave but have you ever seen anybody more like a kid and a kid's worker than this man here dave has retired from children's ministry i don't know how many times and yet there's something in this man's heart that said i can't not do it i can't not do it there's something boobity boom boobity boom boobity boom bless you dave sorry to embarrass you dave is no longer 25 He's a little bit older. 35, last birthday at least. That's what he told me. But there's something in here by way of commitment. And he wants to follow that through. Sometimes we can get fed up in the areas of service where we are. When we opened here and we had a whole flood of people volunteering to serve out in the cafe. As we opened up every day. But of course what happens when people don't come? start doing it then it's a bit discouraging i've given up my time and that's tough i recognize that people giving up four hours they've turned up they've set up got the coffee ready the place is nice the music's going nobody shows up you wait with one other person for two hours and then you've got to do all the clearing away maybe the other person's had to go and it's just you that's tough isn't it and we can get a bit down and disheartened about that And you could translate that across any ministry, probably in the church. There are times where it's tough and we feel like giving up. 
one thing that should keep us going is if God called you into any ministry, it better be God that call you out, as opposed to me saying I'm quitting. I wonder if you've ever had uh, conversations with people who've left churches. Uh, I've got some of you here this evening, I won't embarrass them, but who, who said, want to become part of the church here, that's brilliant. And we're meeting up uh, this week to explore that, and that'd be wonderful to welcome them. And there's usually a sense of God guiding people that they speak of in terms of, I feel this is my spiritual home, I feel it's right, and whatever the reason is. But there's usually a spiritual root of that. When people get to leave, you'd anticipate the same high percentage, wouldn't you, of the Lord leading people on? Uh-uh. My experience of over 25 years of doing what I do is people usually leave because they've got the hump and are not prepared to put it right. Every now and then, there's a sense of God calling someone out to somewhere else. Um, we've had that not that long ago, actually, where uh, um, for a health reason with uh, with uh, individual thing, actually, this is not that easy for them to come here. I do think maybe God is leading you out elsewhere, and they've gone with our blessing. It's great. That happens from time to time. But I would say, if I was going to throw out a guesstimate, just so you capture what I'm saying, probably 90% of people who come into the church say, God has led me here. It's probably 10% maximum who would say that if we're going to be leaving. 90% is because it's a negative reason, for whatever reason. That C word of commitment is so hard, it seems, in our day. These two and a half tribes that Joshua spoke to we're saying, look, we made a commitment years ago. Now we intend to get stuck in and fulfil that. We're not going to give in no matter what. Despite the cost, despite the impact on our families, we know the call of God. We know the promise of God and we know the decision we made way back then. We promised it. We're going to be committed to see that through. And there's something there that ought to be reflected in our own sense of commitment to God and to his people. If, uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verses 4 and 5 we read there when you make a vow to God do not delay in fulfilling it he has no pleasure in fools fulfill your promise it's better not to make a vow than to make a vow and not to fulfill it a couple of things before we close that come out uh, here as well we ought to seek to help our own spiritual uh, family we know that's true in terms of the New Testament where Galatians chapter 6 verse 10 tells us, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, but especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Here the two and a half uh, tribes, the two and a half tribes were prepared to help their brothers and sisters for the long haul. They were prepared to put their own families, their own needs to one side whilst they were in support of the others. That was a tough uh, call. And I dare say there are times where we don't feel like doing that at all. Who is there maybe that we might be able to look out uh, for in the here and now? Jean Rendell's in hospital at the moment. I think it's the Alexander Ward, I think. Why not pay her a visit? Robin fell out of bed this morning and wasn't able to get up and then struggled back to bed. That's why they're not here right now. What about sending them a text? Okay, go on. There are other 
areas where of need. And we don't we can't all do everything for everybody, of course we can't. But I just wonder if there's on a week by week basis, one thing, one person that we may well be able to look after our own in some way. That sense of loving church, us being bodied together, brings a sense of health and people wanting to be a part of it uh, all the more, doesn't it? When God's people need support, we should see two things happen. Firstly, that those in need of support being honest that they need it and don't see a confession as some kind of weakness that they need help and support. Often our privacy we focus on, but there is more of maybe a pride issue. But secondly, others in the Christian family, we ought to be looking to those who we might be able to support. What about somebody who sat on one of these chairs a few weeks ago, a few months ago, but they're not here now? And you know who they are. Wow, was I challenged, John, when you prayed and said, before we pray, just bring some names to the Lord of people that may well need a touch from him, or however John worded that. Wow, thank you, John, for that. I could not stop with having names and faces in my mind. And alongside that were reminders about, I could do with getting in touch. Oh, I need to, I need to. I wonder. Lastly, we must believe that the sacrifice will be worth it. If you've been involved for a, in a sense of longevity in whatever a ministry or area that God has given you a passion, keep going regardless of what you feel you're not getting back by way of human plaudits. We live for an audience of one. God sees and God is pleased with you. When Jesus was addressing the different churches in the book of Revelation, and there are some clip round the ears uh, for some of those areas of, of wrongdoing and failings, but there are positives as well, where Jesus says, I know your deeds. I know what you're doing. And maybe that's all you need to hear tonight, where you've been frustrated in what you have been doing behind closed doors. Doesn't matter what it is. And God says, I know. I see that which is done in secret. Remember, Father God uh, is there for those who pray in secret. Maybe you feel, but all I can do is pray. Never preface the word and the work of prayer with the word, but. For me, it's one of the hardest things in the world to do. If that is your gift and your calling, you think, but what's, what's the feedback that I'm getting or the encouragement? You won't get any, but you will do one day. Because the one that you're praying to sees what is done in secret. And he's wanting to honour you and reward you. There will be fruit if we keep that up at our proper time. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. That's the preceding verse in Galatians chapter 6. What about the sacrifice of the two and a half tribes here? It cost them six or seven years of being away from family. That is a long time to be committed to what God has said and to the commitment that we have made before him before we go back and enjoy everything else. And maybe there's something by way of challenge here for ourselves as we reflect on asking the Lord afresh are there areas where God is calling us to make a particular sacrifice but the cost maybe seems too great. I think particularly, I spoke about this, I won't repeat all the figures this evening, but I spoke about the couple of gift days we had a number of years ago. And I know there would have been lots of individuals 
thinking, how much then should I give God? 5p, 5 pound, 500, 5,000, more? Uh, I, I don't know what was going through individuals' heads. But somebody did a whole host of stuff because we ended up with just a colossal two figures over those two, uh, two gift days. But amidst that wrestling, must have been times of thinking, but I could do with that. I'm out of that in years. We need a card. We could do with a new fridge freezer, whatever it may well be. Oh, well, I've got that account set up for a rainy day. And God maybe touched you. And there would have been that temptation. That's a lot of money. Can we just maybe knock one of the noughts off God or whatever? And now maybe that money's gone and you've given. And you think, well, this wasn't exactly what I thought I was giving. Up. But you were giving as unto the Lord. Malachi speaks of the blessing of God's people. What? Saying, I want this and then I'll give my check. No. We bring our gifts into the storehouse. Came, uh, came up something uh, this week. I can't remember the context actually now. But, and, and there's a blessing from who? From, ultimately from him. From the same God, isn't there? Those who honour me, 1 Samuel chapter 2 verse 30. God says, I will honour. We must believe the sacrifice will be worth it. Whatever it is that you're doing through achy limbs and achy joints, but you turn up and you do it, believe it's worth it. Whatever money you put in the offering bag or you do via the, the sort of um, direct debit thingy and all that stuff or whatever ministry you're involved in that you've been at and nobody's turning up or you don't think it's bearing fruit, believe that that sacrifice you're making is worth it. Because we worship someone who chose to make the ultimate sacrifice. Why? Because they believed it was going to be worth it eternally for your soul and mine. It costs them blood. Very few of us, it's going to cost us that much. Whatever it costs, therefore, less of that. It is going to be worth it. I promise you, you have God's word on it. Let's pray. Father God, we do thank you for your word, for your encouragement uh, to us. Life seems so different to what it must have looked like way back in Numbers or way back in Joshua. We don't know what kind of stuff they ate or the homes they lived in or the tents they had or or what they would have really dressed like. And yet your word seems to have a timelessness and a poignancy and relevant to us whenever we come to it. We pray, Lord God, that you will encourage those here this evening who need an encouragement from you. We pray, Lord, that if we need a sense of reminder or correction, that you'll be true to your word and bring that into the very area that we need it. God, would you lift us? Would you exalt us? Would you, would you lift us up where we need it most? Whoever we are, we pray for that sense of a touch from on high. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. May it be that you've got a sense of God dusting you down to set you off to go again. That's often what God does, isn't it? You know, there's those times where we fall, where we fail, where stuff doesn't go quite right. And then we sense God just kind of like brushing off the dust and say, come on, up on your feet again. Let's go 
again. We can do this in partnership together.